0: It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg this week and next. And to answer a question from Jackie and potentially a question others may have, Jackie asked uh, at 5.13, Brett, were you already on the air this morning, monkeying around, LOL? Yes. (laughs) Yes, I was. I got here. And of course, this happens the day I'm late. I wanted to be in at 4.30, but I had a garbage sleep. But anyway... Woe is me, etc. But uh, when I got in, I always wander into the control room just to make sure everything's cool, and it wasn't. I'm like, "Why is it quiet in here? And why is the thing for the shift not turned on? What What's happening?" So I turn on the the shift, and sure enough, Shane's there talking. But,
1: but it's it just, not on
0: our airwaves. Yeah. So I I sat down. I got it back on the the air, and I figured out what was happening and had to reboot the computer because the software that fires all of our commercials and brings the shift back on automatically overnight when there's no one here was, was dead. So when the shift finally went to break, I had to just come on and say, uh, yeah, hi, it's uh Brett. And just figuring out what's going on here. We had some dead air when I got here and I'm trying to fix this and, Let's see if this works. Hey, there it goes and then there was another pause. I'm like, "Oh, come on." And then it kept going. So,
1: oh, so you uh, the the "Oh, come on," that was on the air also? Yep. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I like the way you uh handled that. I apologize. I I didn't realize that it was off the air. I'm in a separate studio from you and I was listening to other audio and so I didn't realize that the shift wasn't playing. Um surprise surprise. Even if I had realized <laughs> that it wasn't playing, I would have just done, you know, when you pull over the car, yeah, and you're having issues with the vehicle and you move over to the shoulder, you put on the hazard lights and then you get out of the car and then you open the hood and then you stand there. <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of look at uh, the engine and then you, you know, fiddle with this and fiddle with that just to just to give your compatriot sitting in the passenger seat some sense that maybe you know what's going on, <laughs> but you really don't. That would be me in the control room.
0: I think the uh I think the transmogrifier is overheated. (laughs) Maybe if I just fiddle with this little uh, doodad here—the
1: doodad and the figamajig—yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah. uh, yeah—they're misfiring (laughs) uh, somehow, uh, not interacting with one another.
0: I can give you a crash course in there if you need this. We're really one button in that situation. Okay, well let's do that today. Let's do
1: that today after uh, work, although. You know, once 9:57 uh, comes around, keeping my eyes open is a real challenge. Yeah, I suspect you're going to be exhausted because your prediction has come true. You said the warm weather would come around, although you'd never know it.
2: Yeah, I I'm hear. sitting
1: in my studio. I've got a vest on because it, it's like a meat cooler or meat locker in here. Hey, kid, what's with a vest? You jump ship? <laughs> it's it looks a lot like that, doesn't it? <laughs> And, uh, yeah, last night, your prediction came true. Was 25 degrees in your, in your abode last night? Yes, that's right. Sorry, what were the other ones? You want
0: a Pepsi-free, kid, you got to pay for it. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm back. suddenly I'm on Back to the
1: Future Quotes. Why here. wouldn't you get on to Back to the Future Quotes?
0: <laughs> it is a nice vest, Greg. Um, yeah, you know, I, I called it last week. I said, oh, my apartment turned off the air conditioning in our building which means the weather will improve and it wasn't even that warm yesterday like it was a lovely day but what did it get up to 15 16 degrees i think but that sunshine it was so warm in the sun it was brilliant in the sun and of course this uh, because i have a west side facing apartment the sun just pounded down on my side of the building and again not complaining just pointing out that it happened they they turned off the ac and sure enough even with 15 degrees outside it, it got up to 25 degrees and my suite, and I ended up not being able to fall asleep because it was too hot. And I, even though I had a fan going, I just couldn't. Uh, you know, I get, I wake, I got outside this morning, minus two on my phone because that was the reading at the airport. And you would never know it. I had my windows open, nothing. So
1: yeah, you, see the, you see the extended forecast, right? It's good. I mean, it look, is good.
0: It's it's kind of it's always. It's this double-edged sword every shoulder season where if it gets warmer earlier, that's great, but, oh, we don't have the AC turned on yet. And then at this time of year, they turn the AC off, and then, yeah, because I see here Thursday, sunny in 22, Friday, sunny in 22, Saturday, sunny in 21, Sunday, Mix of sun and cloud in 23. Monday, a mix of sun and cloud in 21. Like, that's fantastic. Gotta love that. But it, it come, it, you gotta take, like, the facts of life. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of
1: life. Oh, boy, that is taking me back to one of my my favorite television shows. Tootie and uh, the gang. Don't forget uh, George Clooney Garrett. with the mullet
0: of oh, later George years. George Clooney,
1: he was the fix it guy. We're going to do a little bit of that later this morning, right? We're going to walk through the past, take a trip. Way in the way back machine, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. It kind of inspired just, you know, as always, we have one conversation and someone will mention something and then we'll think, hey, I think there's another conversation there. And we were talking about the long things, that, the long lineups that we've stood in or the lineups that, you know, what were you standing in line for? The weird things you've stood in line, the longest lines you've stood in. And uh, one of our listeners pointed out the they went to see the Woodstock movie going back like 50 years, I think she said, and uh, pointed to a theater that was at Portage and Colony. And then you sort of went through the etymology, the history of this particular movie theater.
1: That's right. And so we thought we would take a walk back in time, maybe down Portage Avenue or up Pembina Highway or Henderson Highway, Academy Road, some of your favorite places where we used to gather. Uh inevitably we had, I had a back and forth with somebody about record stores. I, that's how it went. I talked and discussed the idea of going downtown to get a record and how that has changed. Somebody mentioned mother's music. And of course there was the arcade in mother's music. Yep. And so arcades were a big deal back mm, in the day. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some of those gathering places, but there is a huge gigantic caveat No go, no fly zone.
0: No restaurants allowed in this discussion. No retail stores in this discussion. Uh, Although you did mention the music stores. But I think we got to leave the stores out because anytime we talk about retail stores, inevitably it becomes, I miss consumers distributing. Correct. Which is great. I love that. (laughs) But we don't want to talk about that today. Yeah, we don't want it to get taken over.
1: (laughs) We want to go down a different path, a different road. We'll see how it goes. After more than
0: two years, two years of being in place, Canada's COVID-19 border rules are coming to an end. The Liberal government officially announced the changes yesterday after Global News and other media reported last week that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau
1: signed off on them. So here's the dealio, Brett. As of October 1st, all travellers, regardless of citizenship, will no longer have to submit public health information through ArriveCAN, provide proof of vaccination, undergo testing, quarantine or isolate, and monitor and report if they develop signs or symptoms of COVID-19 upon arriving in Canada. Chief political correspondent for Global News is David Aiken. Across the country, lots of opinions about
3: a change to the mandatory mask rule. I think uh, loosening up the restrictions on masks making them voluntary is reasonable. I'm happy. I can honestly say that. I think that with the recirculation that they have on the airplanes, it's a great system. I'm not concerned.
4: It was difficult <laughs> to wear mask all the time, especially when I had when I came here I was uh, with kids, so it was difficult for them.
3: Mandatory mask use at airports, on planes and on trains is optional as of Saturday. Many plan to keep the mask.
5: The thing that's not optional is how close you are to the person you're sitting beside. I'm vaccinated and I will still wear a mask on the plane. My husband is recovering from cancer and I think there's a lot of people that are, have immune system issues.
3: Experts say the risk of catching COVID during a flight is low.
6: The plane ride itself, yes, while there can be COVID transmission on that plane, it's way lower than what people might think because of the uh, very impressive ventilation. Uh, engineering that they have on flights.
3: It would be crowds elsewhere during the trip, at the luggage carousel for instance, that may still merit mask use. The mask rule is one of many changes about to happen. No more mandatory use of the ArriveCan app to submit public health info. Proof of vaccination no longer required. No more testing on arrival. No more health checks. That said, Canadian citizens will still need to show proof of vaccination to get into the United States. The U.S. is not changing its rules at this time. But Canadian authorities believe current data on the spread of the virus was enough to support a change for Canada.
2: As the pandemic evolves, so do our public health measures.
3: And just to underline, all these rule changes do not take effect immediately. Vaccine requirements, mask requirements—they remain in effect all week. They end on Saturday.
1: So Saturday, you won't have to—you uh, won't have to do this. And I, I traveled, I guess, ah, this time last year. I guess it was more November, Brett, when the the rules were absolutely in place. And so, when you think about how much earlier you're supposed to be getting to the airport because of security lineups and and other things that are going on. And then the potential for delays, which have been well documented over the last several months in particular. And then if you're flying out of Winnipeg and you're going just about anywhere other than Calgary, Vancouver, or Toronto, you're going to have a connecting flight if you're going further afield. That's a long time to be wearing a mask without any opportunity for a break. Because once you are in that airport, you're in. There's no way to go out and get a breath of fresh air. And so I can remember traveling to Palm Springs last November and had a mask on for probably 11 hours straight from the time we got to the airport in Winnipeg till the time we got out of the airport in Palm Springs.
0: I don't have a problem with wearing a mask. Uh, in In our situation, we are required to mask up when we come to work, but it's a situation where I put the mask on when I walk in the building, and then when I get to my desk, I get to take it off. And if I have to get up and leave the room and walk down the hall, go get some water whatever, the mask goes back on. But I'm never wearing a mask for more than a few minutes. And for me, I think the longest I would ever have to wear a mask was like 20 minutes if I walked through... The concourse, for example, from 201 Portage to the convention center. So the mask would be on when it was mandated. And now sometimes I'll leave it on, most of the time not. Uh, I haven't traveled at all in the last two and a half years, so I haven't had to go through that. And uh, I always wonder, like, even after those 20 minute walks, I, I would think like, gosh, how are people doing this all day at work? Yes, And I know that even before COVID, there were people, you know, in the medical field, for example, who would have to wear wear masks all day. So I guess it was just kind of old hat for them. But I found that I would be, would get thirsty and it just felt gross. So to the, the idea of doing it for 11 hours, not great. I think if I were to travel tomorrow, for example, that, uh, well, Okay, tomorrow I would still have to. Let's say travel Sunday when it's no longer required. I would probably maybe wear it on the plane. But yeah, as soon as I get off that plane, it's coming off.
1: Yeah, well, I did. Uh, I, I dug into a little bit of this. I was listening to Richard and Julie's conversation about how quickly the, uh, the planes actually exchange their air. Like as frequently, as quickly as every three minutes, all the air on the aircraft is in and out. That's pretty quick. Is that new since COVID? I don't think that's new since COVID. I think that's always been the case. The HEPA filters may be new, but I don't want to go on the record. I'm just going to say that perhaps they are, uh, but uh, I suspect that they've been uh, part of that system for a long time as well. So, yeah, I'm surprised, Brett, at some of the places where we aren't wearing masks. Like Friday night is an example. I was at the Daffodil Gala at the Winnipeg Convention Center. Once again don't take this the wrong way wonderful to see everyone wonderful to be in the same room as everyone but that's in honor of cancer yeah in support of cancer research and you know there were people in that room with uh you know with cancer at some point or maybe even undergoing treatment at that point in time and I just was wondering you know I'm Shouldn't there be a mask mandate in an event like this? No, I didn't wear one. No, I didn't. So that's even many people, right, who have in the back of their head, should I be wearing a mask at this point, aren't likely to do it unless there's a mandate involved. So here we are. This is where we're at. Uh, All along have been respecting the advice of the public health officials. And so if, if they're comfortable doing this, then I guess I'm going to go go along. But there may be places where I go, you know what, I don't feel comfortable, so I'm going to do this for, typically it's for other people.
0: We're asking you about gathering places that you miss because yesterday on our topic of waiting in line, one of our listeners pointed to how some 50 years ago, They went to the Woodstock movie at the theater that was at Portage and Colony, once upon a time known as the Gaiety Theater. And then for a brief period of time, it was uh,
1: known for some programming that was slightly more adult. Yeah, I think it was known as the Eve Theater at that point in time. Just for a couple of years, they tried that out and maybe didn't go the way they anticipated. So then they switched it back to a main stream theater in 1975 and thus the colony theater where uh, if you're of a certain age you, you likely saw a movie or two there so
0: uh we are asking you now today
1: about former gathering places
0: that you miss whether it's an old movie theater or perhaps it's like an old hockey rink or a roller rink or a community center or an arcade or whatever the caveat what's the caveat mackling
1: No restaurants allowed, not because we don't like to talk about the restaurants of days gone by, but uh, there are a handful of restaurants in particular that seem to overwhelm the conversation. And we just, yeah, we want to keep it on this one particular path.
0: That's right. So no restaurants, no retail retail stores allowed either on this one. So 204-780-6868, let's go around the
6: horn here. Jeff Braun, why don't we start with you, sir? Uh, well, I picked a movie theater, of course, and for me, it was uh, the late great Strand Theater in Brandon, Manitoba. Uh, I went to college in Brandon, so in the mid '90s, if a movie came out between, you know, mid '94 and mid '96, I saw it at the Strand. For the most part, it was a beautiful old theater in downtown Brandon. It seated nearly 800 people, I believe, and uh, it was. It didn't have a lobby, so you had to line up outside. So. There was such a thing as, it's too cold to go to the movies tonight. <laughs> it was part of the the decision-making process, because you might end up standing outside for half an hour waiting to get in. But it was a lovely old theater, and uh, I still re- remember many, many screenings I went to there. Uh, my favorite would it be the first time I saw Dumb and Dumber, my college friends and I uh, laughed ourselves hoarsely was actually scared for my health at some points during that movie i was laughing so hard but uh yeah great memories at the strand
1: yes the strand theater i saw raiders of the lost ark the night it opened at the strand theater the night it opened the night it opened i remember lining up for it uh with my dad and my brother and some friends it was absolutely spectacular great great theater good call there Bronner. we got some some younger
0: folk in our panel today why don't we start with ross levitan in for cam porteous what about you sir
7: Oh, nothing special. Just uh, a little lookout we used to go to all all the fellas. It was kind of like middle of where everyone lived, so it was a good meeting spot and lots of laughs, lots of good times out there, especially in the summer. Where was that?' It's a place called Champlain lookout it's back home in uh, in Ottawa okay
0: well, first of all, don't say nothing special don't discount your something that was a beloved spot for you <laughs> okay uh, and that's uh, what it, what were you looking out upon
7: oh it's uh, like right where the Ottawa River meets the uh the um the locks there right at parliament hill so nice nice backdrop for it was it like a wooden dock or something uh there's a statue up there they got some nice benches it's built in on a hill too so is yeah, it gone good. no no it's in it's actually been under construction for like five years so every time i go back we we try to meet there and it's like nope you're stuck at the bottom can't get up so <laughs> that, that's frustrating maybe that's what makes the memory that much better for me is that they've taken it away at least for now but I'm going to keep my eye out. Every time I'm home, I check it out.
1: What was the code on Happy Days? Did they, they called it Inspiration Point. They were going to go and watch the submarine races out at <laughs> Inspiration Point. Is, is, is that the similar thing where uh, maybe you might go with uh, someone to have a little smoochy woochy
7: there, Levitan? There's been some inspiration <laughs> there over the years.
0: <laughs> okay. Did you take part in any of that? Oh yeah. Well, what else am I going to do? Watch
8: someone else? (laughs) (laughs) Adam, we go get to the heart of the matter. (laughs) Uh, Forte, what about you? Well, it's take me back to my childhood, and uh, there's probably a place like that's that's still around for kids. But uh, back in the day, was Dark Zone, laser tag. Oh, that place was so much fun because it was all dark, black lights, and you just have these laser guns and you would shoot each other and be the funnest thing ever. And I think next door to it was another place for kids, and it had like a giant play structure in it and there was uh like ruckers that used to be on um was it re? was it Reinders and uh, or was it, uh, yeah it was
0: regent uh, it was basically like regent and lages yeah yeah
8: there's a place like that in the back of, of this place i can't remember the name of it but it was just so much fun being a kid there and uh you have a laser tag and then this awesome gymnasium thing it was just it was an amazing place to go as a kid did we get your lineup story in yesterday, by the way, 14? Now that I think of it, we didn't. And I, I got a story on that, too. Well, what is it? <laughs> oh, uh, well, it was Canada Day about 10 years ago ish. I was at the Forks, with my friend, and, uh, you know, it had a few bevies and looking for a, a bathroom. And if you've ever been to the Forks on Canada Day, it's like impossible to find a bathroom without having a lineup. Well, we turned the corner, and somebody had just left, left uh, a porta pot. You know, it's like, What are the chances? So I run into the porta potty do my business. I come out, and I look at my friend, and she just looks horrified. And I'm like, what? She's like, look over there. And I was like, what's that? She's like, that's the lineup for the bathroom. You just cut everyone. (laughs) You just cut everyone in line for the bathroom. I had no idea. So you know what I did then? Got the hell out of there.
3: (laughs) I
0: was not sticking around.
1: I thought you were going to say, I said sorry to everybody. Bought a round of drinks. Okay. I could see Forge going down the line, and I'm personally apologizing to everyone in that lineup. Oh, what about no, you, man? I ran. I ran. Uh, Roller skating was a big deal. We were talking about it yesterday with Brent Bellamy. It was a part of Nui Blanche. They did an outdoor roller rink and the best roller rink anywhere with all due respect to all the wheelies and the Saint roller rink, Saints roller rinks back Saints? in the day wow. with the uh, polyurethane uh, floor, the best roller rink in Winnipeg was at the Winnipeg roller rink. Furby and Portage. They had a this gigantic wood floor. And thanks to the folks at Heritage Winnipeg, HeritageWinnipeg.com I'm looking right now. Roller skating opens tonight at the Winnipeg rink on Canada's finest roller rink, Portage, and Langside. Oh yeah, okay. Never went there. It's a huge place. And like I say, the wooden floor, so it had some Dips and nuance to it. You had to be. You, ha- you had to pay attention when you were skating at the Winnipeg Roller Rink in the mid '80s.
0: It was like the Boston Garden, the parquet, the old parquet floor. <laughs> exactly.
1: There were dead spots big time in that floor.
0: One of the things we're going to be talking about today throughout the day on 680 CJOB has to do, Greg, with the four-day work week. Yeah,
1: so more than 70 companies in the United Kingdom are taking part in the world's largest known trial of a four-day work week. Experiments with a shorter week have become more popular in recent years as some employers look to offer a better work-life balance. And as you mentioned, Global's Redmond Shannon reports the pandemic has made many of us Re-examine the traditional nine-to-five shift.
2: The standard two-day weekend goes back almost a century. Car maker Henry Ford was one of its pioneers as he looked to increase productivity. But a few years ago, one New Zealand businesswoman asked herself a question.
5: Why are we working five days a week? It's just a meaningless construct.
2: So Charlotte Lockhart's financial services company tried out a four-day or 32-hour week to see what would happen.
5: We have a principle that we call the 180-100 rule. So basically we're talking about 100% pay, 80% time and 100% productivity.
2: It was so successful that she and her business partner set up a not-for-profit consultancy to spread the four-day gospel. There have been other trials across the world, including in Canada. And what's claimed to be the biggest ever pilot is now underway involving 70 British companies, open to more new ways of working, incorporating the work from home lessons of the pandemic.
5: Everybody can share ideas around what's worked for them, what's worked in their industry, um, what hasn't worked.
2: Over six months, academic researchers are analysing employee productivity, well-being and even the environmental impact at companies like British marketing agency Webtopia.
9: We're now two months into the trial and the improvement has been huge. So I think the first few weeks were a big adjustment for the team in terms of prioritising workload, understanding, What could be left?
2: Getting tips, she says, from other companies that have tried four days has been invaluable. Their tweaks have included giving client-focused staff Wednesdays off rather than Fridays. They also advise employees on task management and limiting distractions to help compress their work week.
9: If you plan ahead ideally the day before, and have your list of like non-negotiable tasks for the next day. Complete those first, work through those first, and then you can see what else you can get to later in the day.
2: At the halfway point of the trial, researchers say more than 80% of participating companies are likely to continue with four days after it ends in December. A new Canadian pilot program is already accepting participants for 2023. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London.
1: So what do you think, Brett? I know for a lot of, them, we're going to get these text messages, I can anticipate it already, and I apologize for those that this may not involve or really it doesn't work for. We understand that. This is not going to work for every profession, for every vocation. But I think for a lot of people it could work. Well, and
0: I wonder why couldn't it work? Is it because that's just the way we do things? You know, as they pointed out, why do we work five days? If it's something that came up with a hundred years ago, why can't the system change? I'm not saying I have the solution. I'm just thinking like, well, if we just start to think about it, why can't we make it work? And I realize that some people work four days on, four days off, and they have these alter these varying schedules. I used to be a six three person, six days on, three days off. But um, I like the idea of a four day work week, the idea the, of of getting 100% productivity, I assume that means you'll have to compress your day or perhaps eliminate your breaks. That's not going to work in every vocation either. Like in this particular job, um, we both with as soon as we get here, we essentially sit down and we start working until the moment we walk out the door. I might run downstairs for a vape. Typically, though, I've still got my phone in my hand. I'm doing something. So there's no real breaks. We don't get a lunch break. And that's fine. I don't mind it. But when I worked in a call center, the idea of going eight hours straight, of dealing with angry customers with no breaks in between, I would quit that job. Yeah. And if if losing those breaks is the sacrifice I would have to make to get down to a four-day work week, I don't know that I would want to take it.
1: Yeah, I I hear you loud and clear on that. I hope that that wouldn't be part of the strategy. I think the strategy is to make more efficient time of the hours that you are at work and the hours that you're assigned to work outside of those breaks and your lunch break and to, you know, to be working. Because let's be honest, on Mondays you're sort of ramping up, on Fridays you're ramping out, these things happen. And so they're going to have to accommodate for all of that.
0: We're asking you for a chance to win bomber tickets at 204-780-6868 about the gathering places that we miss, that are gone, whether it's an old movie theater, an old nightclub, an old bar, an old roller rink, an old arcade, whatever. As long as it's not a restaurant, that's a separate conversation. (laughs) What does Pete have to say?
1: Well, he went even further, Brett. This is pretty organic. In my youth, our gathering place was in front of my house. There was always a game of football, hockey, basketball, tag, or even hide-and-seek. We'd play until the sun went down or got called in for supper, We no longer live there, but we still meet up for breakfast or lunch. But it's not the same.
0: Trevor says, Louise Billiards, North Kildonan, huge pool hall on Henderson in the 1100 block. But they also had some cool arcade games. Me and my teen buds loved it there. Didn't have to travel downtown for arcades, and because it had pool tables, we felt like adults. We felt accepted. It's an insurance place now. Sad. And actually, you know what? You remember right on cue at the Forks? I do. I do. So that's on the second floor of the sure. Johnston Terminal. It is now an insurance place, I believe. It eventually became Finn McHugh's. Yes. Last time I was there a couple of years ago, I went to see what was up there now, and it was just some office. I think it's an insurance
1: place. Oh. God,
0: that's boring. Oh.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought they had an arcade or something reimagined there, but. They do have an Arcade of the Forks.
0: Oh, they do. But it, it's in the other building, but they don't, they've got nothing up there now. It's okay, just
1: the gotcha. Okay, Johnston Terminal. Okay, buildings confused. Yeah, that is too bad, Brett.
0: It's time for Breakfast with the Bombers every Tuesday just after 7.30. And this morning, we welcome back to Breakfast with the Bombers, running back. Brady Oliveira, who was busy with what we might call his other
1: passion while on the bye week. Yeah, on Brady's Twitter profile next to his name, Brett, a football emoji, and next to that, a puppy dog. Good morning, Brady.
10: Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on again.
1: Uh, it's always great to speak with you. We can discuss football a little bit or maybe not at all in a moment. We'll, we'll let time decide. So many of us follow you on social media and your love for dogs. So I would say that's bord- bordering on legendary. What were you up to this past week?
10: Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good week. I mean, uh, I finally you know had, had some free time. Obviously, you know, with being in a the, in the football season, uh, you don't have much time being a pro athlete. So you don't get to really, uh, you know, go explore those other passions of yours. It's hard. You don't have enough time. So with this bye week, I was able to, uh, you know, everyone knows I have a strong passion in animal rescue and, and being a voice for the voiceless. So I, I drove up to a community a couple hours up north, and uh, you know went when went and rescued some dogs. I was able to bring a mom and uh, her eight puppies back. Um, they were living outside, um, and I mean right now with rescues, we like to make a strong push just because you know the weather is changing, winter is about to be coming soon, and and puppies at that at that age uh, just don't survive the winters in northern manitoba so um it was was successful the fact that you know these puppies and the mom don't have to you know go through our severe winters um also got a dog with a broken leg uh an an adult dog that took straight to the vet and then uh pretty much i just uh was being you know being there for the community as handing out dog food putting out fresh water um just making sure you know all the dogs are good in the community
0: how do you scope out where to go, Brady? Like, do these things pop onto your radar, or, or do you just sort of uh, go exploring? Like, like what leads you to these dogs?
10: Yeah, so you know, we'll get. We've made so many great connections with uh, community members in certain communities that we go to. So you know, they'll kind of give us a heads up on you know where stray dogs are, or if someone in the community is wanting to surrender their dog to us, or if their dog had puppies and they want to you know surrender the puppies to us. And then when you're there, I mean, people know you're in the community or you're just, you know, going around handing out dog food and then you just come across, you know, injured dogs, sick dogs. So... It's kind of a mix of both. Uh, But, for example, the the mom and puppies that I got, it wasn't an alert from a community member. Uh, This dog uh, happened to just stroll on to their property. It wasn't their dog at all. Um, The dog had puppies. They reached out to the rescue that I volunteered with. And so that's how that one happened.
1: So you went north to visit some, some dogs and to rescue uh, uh, some puppies, but you also took teammate teammate Rashid Bailey on a road trip down south to Grand Forks, a visit to your alma mater, University of North Dakota. How was that to be to to be back there?
10: Yeah, it was a, it was a solid bye week. I was able to go rescue, you know, do do my passion of of rescuing you know animals, and then I was able to see you know Rashid Bailey in full force, uh, you know, doing his passion. And for the ones that don't know. Rashid Bailey. I mean, that's one of my my closest closest boys on, on the team, and uh, he one of his gifts in life are is his voice. I mean, he's he's very passionate, and he does you know some motivational speaking in his free time. So I thought, you know, what if I set up a, you know a time to go down to Grand Forks? I can go see my old coaches, um, see some of the guys on the team still, get a workout in with my old strength coach there, and then maybe I can set up a little speaking engagement for Rasheed to talk to the team after practice. So that's exactly what I did. And uh, Rasheed gave a gave a great message to the football team. And, you know, the boys were thrilled. Uh, the coaches absolutely appreciated it. So it was just cool being able to, you know, I, did, uh, I was doing my passion of animal rescue during the bye week and then being able to see Rasheed, uh, fulfill his passion of, of using his voice that he's been blessed blessed with. So it, it was a great bye week. It was awesome to get down there, see my old coaches, and uh, and yeah, just be back in Grand Forks. I've made so many great memories in that in that town, and it was great to be back.
0: Now I see on the Blue Bombers' social media, which we uh, love so much. It's always a source of entertainment, especially when they ask the hard hitting questions. Yesterday, the question was, "What is on your Mount Rushmore of food?" And so you can see that on Instagram or on Twitter. But we're curious to know, is there a must-hit spot for lunch or dinner when you're in Grand Forks?
10: Oh, yeah. There's a a few places. Uh, I mean, I think a famous one is Texas Roadhouse. Everyone loves that place. Um, If you're looking for some Japanese dining, um, some sushi, just a little steakhouse vibe, uh, uh, you're curious. Yakura, I think it's called. Um, it's actually right next door to Texas Roadhouse. That's a solid place. Uh, the Blue Moose Grill in East Grand Forks. Yes, uh, that's a solid spot. Yeah, you know, there's there's quite a few uh, good spots. Uh, oh, Grand Junction, a sandwich shop in Grand Forks. Uh, yeah, there's a few little uh, hidden gems there. Yeah, the Blue Moose,
1: the uh, wall, I, I guess they call it walleye on the menu, right, Brady? It's quite legendary. Walleye, yeah. Have you had it there? I, that's what—that's my, my favorite thing to have at the Blue Moose.
10: I have had it. It's, uh, it's, it's real good. I definitely recommend it.
1: So uh, I guess we'll talk football for just a minute before we let you run here. as the, You get back on the field and ready for Friday night's game versus Saskatchewan. Change in weather, you can feel it, although it's going to be a beautiful week, at least during the day. Is there another notch of intensity at practice?
10: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and we always say it's it's, it's not cold enough around here for us. And uh, that's kind of what Coach Osh preaches to us. And it, you know, goes into the locker room and, you know, we get guys starting to say, it, and I think it's a great mindset to, to be in because, you know, as we know, I mean, it, it gets real cold in Winnipeg and, and, uh, you know, a teams got to come through us if they want to make it on. And I think if we have that mentality, it makes it a lot harder for teams to come here knowing that the weather doesn't even phase us. And I think for me, you know, personally speaking on myself, I think that's when you turn it up a little bit more, you know. As a running back, you know, the weather starts getting cold. Uh, you know, people don't want to tackle when it's cold, man. And so, if you if you run if you run physical, you run violent. Um, you know, third fourth quarter come around and it's cold out. Talk, I'm more so talking end of the year type cold, I and mean, no one's gonna to want to tackle you. So, uh, I'm excited for this cold weather. It's always a fun time of year. This is football weather. Nothing gets better than this. So. I'm really looking forward to it. So you say
0: no one's going to want to talk, tackle you. For those who maybe are not quite the sportsing types, why why wouldn't they want to tackle you?
10: Those pads are cold. Those helmets are cold. Uh, everything just gets – I mean, guys always make jokes. I mean, it just started this week. I'm like, guys, it's not even cold yet. But uh, for warm-ups, we take off our helmets and we do, you know, stretches. We do some dynamic warm-ups. And then we put our helmets on after the warm-up. And when you put your helmet on after – it's so hard to get on because it's been sitting in the cold on the ground and it just tightens up. So that's just a little sensory right there. Um, and it's not even cold yet. So as it gets colder, things just get, you know, your body is colder. It takes a while to warm up. Pads are banging a little bit harder because it's colder, um, and yeah, it, it just doesn't feel good for someone to get smacked when it's cold. Um, better when it's warm out. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be fun as the season goes on uh, later in the year when it gets colder. Uh, I think we'll play better when it gets cold.
1: It's sort of the football equivalent of when we used to play hockey outdoors, and you would stand on the bench waiting for your three minute shift, and the and your blades would be squeaking, and you'd be kicking the boards, and and so you were distracted <laughs> It it, it wasn't a traditional part of the game. If you're playing indoors, if we're talking hockey and for football, obviously it's warmer much longer than it is colder. So that's a great description, Brady. Always appreciate your time, friend. Thanks for this, and uh, good luck on Friday night against the Rough Riders.
10: Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Talk soon.
0: Brady Oliveira joining us live on 680. CJ will be running back for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And if you want to go to that game... On Friday against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, we need you to text us at 204-780-6868 about a former gathering place that you miss that is not a restaurant. What does Uliana have for us?
1: Well, Uliana, I figured this would fit with Breakfast with the Bombers, Brett. I miss Section S of Canad Inn Stadium, also (laughs) known as the student section. We had season tickets in a row in row nine, and we were always in the middle of all the game and non-game action. For those familiar with the section, you know the good times that took place there. That's where the beer snake was invented. Once upon a time
0: honest says we gave up our seats to get jet season tickets when 2.0 returned in 2011. But yeah, you probably had more fun at those Bomber Games in Section S. I had buddies who had season tickets in Section S. They were not students, but they just knew it was the most fun place to be. Right now, we just want to put this question to you What's it going to take you to get out and vote? During the municipal elections next month, you know, yesterday we got a slew of further promises from other can, uh, some from some more candidates like Rana Bakari, who says if she's elected mayor, Portage and Maine will finally open back up, pointing to how there's only one major argument against bringing down the barriers and that's a 33 second traffic slowdown. Candidate Sean Loney says he intends to modernize the city's water and waste department by switching 40,000 homes and businesses from natural gas to electric heat pumps by 2030. Jenny Motkaluk is calling for a reversal of a dangerous decline in the trees that form Winnipeg's urban forest, saying that she aims to have two trees planted for each one the city has lost in recent years until an estimated backlog of some 14,500 missing trees has been eliminated. So just some of the campaign promises that we have heard thus far, but what's it going to take? to get you out to vote?
1: I think that's a terrific question and uh, one that we want to hear the answer from you. I'm already voting. I think at the civic level, this is the level of government that we connect with most, Brett. I know you can talk about health care and education at the provincial level and taxation and and so many things uh, with regards to immigration and, and, and funding of larger pro- projects by the federal government. But at the local level... This is the level of government that impacts your your travels to work. Potholes are obviously a huge issue of concern in our part of the world. Transit, uh, recreation centers, all the things that, that you want to know about right now are likely things that the civic government is providing for you. And, and so it always boggles my mind that that is the election where we have the lowest turnout it seems odd to me
0: yeah like i've spoken before about how in the last federal election i did not cast a vote i went down to the voting station i took my voting card and i scratched the ballot because i didn't support uh, i mean there, there may have been a candidate on the ballot i supported but i knew it would either be the liberals or the conservatives and i just scratched the ballot because i didn't support either of them and same at the provincial level i don't know that i support if i were to vote right now You know, it's just back, it's either the Conservatives or the NDP, and around and around we go, and I'm just kind of sick of that game. But on the local level, we've got so many candidates to pick from, and uh, I'm looking forward to this campaign. So let us know, 204-780-6868, what's it going to take to get you out to vote. Meanwhile, at 7.05, we started a conversation, revisited, I guess, a conversation about a four-day work week because there's a huge trial of this happening in the UK. Well, here in Canada, out west, as any small business owner knows, it's hard to find good people, especially now with workers retiring and moving on to other adventures. Yeah,
1: and the problem is even more acute in smaller communities, Brett, and some are trying a different approach to keep workers happy. Global's Rumina Dea has the story from Merritt, British Columbia, and its move to a four-day Work week.
4: A four day work week in merit Would it be enough to entice you and
6: keep you there? A chance to differentiate ourselves, to make sure that we have uh, people who feel valued, that they have the chance to just uh, enjoy life in Merit.
4: Coming soon, municipal offices will close Mondays. Staff working longer hours, 8 a.m. to 5 45 p.m., Tuesday to Friday, to make up the time. Their pay not
6: affected. We're aware that as a municipality of only 7,000 people, we have a relatively low tax base and so it's difficult for us to um, compete with other larger municipalities like say a Kelowna or a Kamloops or even a Vernon or a Penticton on salary alone.
4: A permanent three-day weekend, every week. A popular trend in municipalities across the country, including in Ontario and New Brunswick. Maritonians weighing in on the pilot project which will launch in their city this fall
5: the city has had a hard time keeping people with the disaster that we had so i mean if they need a break so that we can keep things going for the general
10: public that gives them one less day of a week whether they can you know pay their taxes and go and negotiate or talk to anybody in city hall or do what things that business they have to do with city hall
4: The tight labor market across B.C. is especially harsh in Metro Vancouver. The Greater Vancouver Board of Trade says the three biggest challenges facing businesses are inflation, input costs and labor shortages. 40 percent of businesses reporting difficulties in recruiting skilled employees. 34 percent having a tough time retaining staff. The problems across all sectors.
3: I think everybody's having trouble. You see hiring signs on every store in town pretty well.
4: The city of Merritt will try the shorter work week for a year. Officials hoping a work-life balance in the heart of the Nicola Valley with cheaper housing than much of B.C. will be a competitive
5: lure. Well, I'm sure we'd all like to have a four-day week.
4: (laughs) Maybe I'll go apply at the city.
1: (laughs) Ramina
4: Dea, Global
1: News, and that's the challenge. And th- this is something that the the, the, the government is going to try there, Brett. The civic government. This isn't uh, for all businesses, but it may force it may force some businesses to rethink their hiring practices, their hours, how they hire, and the hours and the shifts that uh, their workers work. And there's a change coming, whether people like it or not.
0: Right now, well why don't we just get right into this here because Friday of course is a big day. It's the second annual National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And but it's also going to mark Canada's first reconciliation run the first ever national day for truth and reconciliation half marathon and it's happening
1: right here greg
0: in manitoba
1: yeah the run will begin at the former residential school in bertel manitoba which is near the saskatchewan border just west of shoal lake and will conclude on bird tail sioux dakota first nation treshel bunn is the organizer treshel good morning
9: good morning thank you for having
1: me how are you today I'm doing good. How are you? We're doing really well. So, the in your words, uh, uh, the first words we see on the the website for the Run Reconciliation Run dot ca are quote movement is medicine. Can you elaborate on that for us?
9: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I think it's a popular term like used in the Indigenous community, and I think everyone kind of has their own meaning that they tie to that term, but. For me, um, I'm a student athlete, so I'm actually a member of the Bison Women's hockey team at the University of Manitoba. So I started skating and playing hockey when I was like three years old in my backyard with my dad. So movement has always been a way for me to like stay balanced mentally, emotionally, uh, physically, and spiritually. So I've always found a way that um, through movement, whether that was like through playing hockey or sport, that I was able to, you know, stay balanced. And I think. When I first heard about the 215 children in Kamloops, I think there is a lot of hurt in my community and for the Indigenous community as a whole. So I think everyone was looking for something that they could do to, like, help the healing process. And for me and my family and my community, that was movement.
0: Last year, it was in the form of a healing walk that took place, I believe, in July. Uh, These events that you have held and that you are continuing to hold, they're inspired by your family, yes?
9: Yeah, so my kushi, which means grandmother in Dakota, and my onkala, which means grandfather in Dakota. my kushi Mildred, and my onkala Donald, uh, they've passed on now, but they were both uh, survivors of the Burnto Residential School. And I think the significance for me for the run and the walk is that it starts at the Burnto Residential School, and it leads participants either running or walking away from the school back to my community And that was actually something that my Uncle Donald never got the opportunity to do. So growing up, I would hear stories that he wanted nothing more than to just run away from the school when he was there. So the walk is very symbolic and kind of a reclamation of power for my family and my community um, and all participants for running and walking away from the school in honor of all the children who wanted nothing more than to do that and all those children who never made it home at all.
1: So... uh... Is it fair to say runners already feel a sense of community when they come together, whether it's to celebrate something, to recognize something, to run in honor of, raise money for, to encourage each other, they push each other to keep moving. Does bringing that pre-existing sense of community to something like the Reconciliation Run help?
9: I, I definitely think so. I think just being even just being an athlete, I know the the power that sport has um, to bring people together, whether it's through walking or running. And I think to do a reconciliation run, I think it really brings people together and it, it brings people to a platform where they can move and run together, and they feel like they're invited and they feel comfortable joining and running in the spirit of reconciliation. And I think for me, the most important thing was making sure that um, the run was like tailored and everyone was invited to join it. So I know for the healing walk in July, there was some hesitation there from like the non-indigenous community if they were welcome to join. But my goal for the reconciliation run was to make it about reconciliation and that tr- reconciliation involves all of us. So everyone's invited to come participate in the reconciliation run and run in the spirit of reconciliation.
0: Now we do want to learn just a little bit more about you as the organizer of this run, Trachelle. Uh, for example, you mentioned your... Uh, uh, player with a Bison women's hockey team. Like, you're an elite athlete. You've been playing hockey for years, including at the University of Manitoba and elsewhere. I understand that the Bisons, your team was recently playing hockey in Europe?
9: Yeah, so uh, they, uh, this is my second year of the Bisons. I was formerly uh, a Dino at the University of Calgary. But yeah, the Bisons had a trip to Europe for some exhibition games planned for the last couple of years, but it never ended up working out with, uh, COVID and that situation there. So, um, yeah, this year we finally got to take the long-awaited trip and we traveled to Europe and we played some exhibition games against uh, Team France, um, the Dutch national team, um, and then a couple of pro teams out there. How'd you do? Uh, we kind of split. We won two games, we lost two games, but it was it was a really good experience overall. So it was our first games of the season. And I think we had like like a week before... practice a week before um so we didn't have much uh practice as a team going into it but it was an overall a great experience you know to play overseas
1: i'm doing some scouting on you here trichelle and (laughs) i'm on EliteProspects.com, and there's an american flag next to your name here i know you play here for the university of manitoba bisons but you were born just on the other side of the border Do, do you get a hard time uh being an american in the dressing room or have they have they accepted you
9: they've accepted me i think i i always catch people off guard with like my kind of cool like best of both worlds kind of life story so i grew up in wampum manitoba which is a really small community right along the minnesota manitoba border so i was actually born across the border in minnesota because that was the closest hospital and manitoba medical pays for um people living in that area to go across the border for you know, like medical and services like that, just because otherwise the closest hospital would have been styled um, back an hour away. So yeah, I get teased a little bit. My life seems a little confusing. People are like, are you American? Are you Canadian? Like, what's the deal?
7: Well,
0: even the area code on your phone is from Minnesota. What's a, what's the a deal there? Did you find a cellular deal that we should be taking advantage of? Because I know a lot of people who are like kept, the, one of our buddies moved back to Ontario five years ago and he still has his Manitoba phone number. So what's up with uh, the Minnesota phone number?
9: Uh, Just like in our area, like that the closest uh, cell service would be like Minnesota Towers. And then um, growing up, I went to school and played hockey in Minnesota my whole life. So it kind of just made sense. I spent most of my time across the border uh, during the day. And then my family would joke that I would come home at night and sleep in Canada. And that was about (laughs) it. So It always kind of made sense. (laughs) (laughs) So it kind of made sense. And then I just never ended up uh, changing it. Like I have an international plan. So I have data now when I'm at the university, and I tap into Wi-Fi any chance I get. So, well,
1: <laughs> oh, that, that's outstanding. So we're learning a lot about you today. Now, what what about the the run? Let's get back to the run. Here, is there any room left for for people to join?
9: Yeah, so we actually have a virtual option um, on our website. Um, We're still asking uh, if you're able to register online um, through the Running Room link that we have on our website, reconciliationrun.ca. From there, you just kind of like fill up the information um, and pay the registration fee, and then we will mail you your Reconciliation Run t-shirt and uh, participation medal. And then on either September 30th or any day leading up to that, you can run any distance anywhere, and then you can just email us a picture of yourself and the distance you ran, then we'll feature you on our website. So that's kind of the deal with the virtual option if you're not able to make it out to Birdall, and we hope to expand on that in future years.
0: Now, what if someone who wants to participate in this, because, you know, this is an important event, but let's say they're, they're not really into running. Like, uh, for example, I, I love walking, but I hate running. I hate it.
9: Yeah, no, totally, too. That's totally fine. Like, we're still encouraging people to, to walk as well. I know, like, we do still have some, like, elders um, from my community who are going to be doing um, doing a walk from the school after the runners that have registered take off. So you're still welcome to either run or walk in Birtle or run or walk virtually.
0: Well, Trace Elbon, thank you very much for joining us today to tell us about this. Congratulations on organizing the first ever event of its kind for this important day that we're marking on Friday. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it.
9: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Trey Shell Bunn is the organizer of the first ever National Day for Truth and Reconciliation Half Marathon. It's happening right here in Manitoba. Once again, they're going to begin at the former residential school in Berto, Manitoba. They're going to conclude on Birdtail Sioux, Dakota First Nation. And you can get more information at reconciliationrun.ca. We're going to cover off two contests here. We've got our own contest, bomber tickets up for grabs, and we'll get to that in a
1: moment. But did you catch any of the buble or cluche yesterday? I missed it, and I had my phone on the radio player. Apple. I was making supper, and I just somehow I missed it. I got on a phone call. Is there is there any way you can pull up some of this? Yes,
0: I can. It happens. So they, they typically do their contesting just after 5.15, or at least their primary contesting just after 5.15 on the news with Rich and Julie. And they're giving away Michael Buble tickets, Canada Life Centre. So it's Buble or kluche, and they play a piece of music. You have to identify or guess whether it's Buble singing or Cloutier singing. So here's take one.
2: And I'm feeling good. Oh <laughs> This
10: and is I'm tough. guessing that
4: Lisa
1: doesn't. I'm feeling good That was better.
0: That was a little better actually. That's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the next one. Okay.
6: Unforgettable. <laughs> a little
1: pitchy dog. A little pitchy dog. <laughs> oh, did
0: well, you say okay, that? Hang on a second, did you? Boom.
4: What? Did she say that is forgettable? That's you are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay.
0: Unforgettable in a different way, I suppose. And then one uh, one more quick here.
3: Sure.
6: And don't forget who's
3: taking you home and whose arms you're going to be. <laughs> oh,
2: boy. So, darling, <laughs> save the last dance for me. Sorry, Sorry.
1: Dan. Is that Count Dracula? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Outstanding. Oh, man. So they're doing that all week on the news. So good. Are they trying to get more listeners or fewer <laughs> listeners? That's my question. I think
0: it's great. Good for you, Clujier. Good sport. Uh, so your next chance, I believe, will be just after 5.15 today, I hope. But, of course, make sure you confirm that with Rich and Julie between 3 and 6. And we have bomber tickets to give away. We're asking you about days gone by. A gathering place that you miss, a place that used to be there and isn't. Like we were talking about old movie theaters yesterday for a brief moment, but that has triggered into the conversation today. What does Gail have for it?
1: Well, I'm afraid this could potentially be its very own topic on its own. Brett Social's and the best venues. Gail says, my brother and sister-in-law got married October 4th, 1974. Their wedding reception was at a place in Headingley called... The Monterey Hall. I think it became the Monterey Ranch eventually. We spent the night at a motel close to the hall. We had over 150 people dancing on the floor. Over 200 were invited. Our side was huge, so most of them were relatives. If you think of all the halls in rural Manitoba that were hustling and bustling back in the days. I remember going to many socials in Fallberg Never heard of it, but thanks, Gail. Uh, northeast of Winnipeg, most of them were family or close friends. The Ladywood Hall was another happening place. That hall is now a private residence. And we've had a bunch of text messages with regard to Monterey Ranch. Dan, the Earl of Eli. Dean said the ranch too. I missed the socials back to back Friday and Saturday. Uh, even my wedding social was there back in 1988. $5 tickets, 90 cent drinks.
0: Nice. The rendezvous in St. B. And the Capri on North Main? Is I don't that, know if
1: it's the Capri. The Copa? the Copa? The Copa. The North Main Copa. Still there. Still there? Yeah, I what?
0: believe so. Pretty sure I passed that when I'm on my way out to Larders at St. Andrews. So uh, I think it's still there. If You can confirm. And Thalberg. That's uh, n- basically straight shot northeast. It's off of, uh, it looks like you can just go up to 59. And then uh, you hang a right. Uh, I can't see the cross street here, but yeah, it's uh, like near Scanterbury, Perhaps a small town salute in the offing. You and I are thinking exactly the same way, McGarry. We've got bomber tickets to give away for this Friday against Saskatchewan. We're asking you at 204-780-6868 about a gathering place that once existed that no longer exists for a chance to win those tickets. And uh, we have had
1: corroboration about the Copa. Arthur says the people that ran the Copa bought the Kildonan Hotel and moved the Copa to the banquet hall there and still call it the Copa. Corand
0: Ainsley also confirms that as well. You do see a sign for the Copa on Maine. It moved in 2008 to the west side in the Kildonan Motor Hotel. So thank you for that. Auntie Dee, Dee one of our runners-up. The Marble Club on Rory Street, Monday night, was ladies' night. Bottomless wine. That didn't last long. We were regulars. Our table had a reserved sign on it. Nancy, Jane, Jody, and Darlene. Good times when we when we were young. Robert says Jim Watson's Orpheum Billiards on Fort Street on the west side, just south of the Vendome. Had six by twelve table six feet by 12 feet i used to go down from north Kildonan by bus when we were 14 to 16 we played pinball all night on a few quarters it was the old-fashioned pool also uh, louis on henderson we had a couple of people mentioning louis on henderson used to be toppers the, playing snooker on a on a full-size oh. table I've, I've only done it once it took me like two and a half hours
1: it's impossible i don't know how the pros do it I don't know how they do it either. And the pockets seem to be much smaller, tighter, if you will. Yeah. And
0: they're rounded. The pocket, as opposed to like a, a standard bar eight ball table, the pockets are flat. But on a snooker table, a proper snooker table, the pockets are curved. So you have to basically drain it. Or it's not going in. Yeah, you
1: can't bank it in. Yeah, okay. Well, that's why I got frustrated. Uh, Daryl tugging at the heartstrings. My uh, missed gathering place is my grandparents' home. My mamare would always have lots of food and love to go around no matter how little money she had. She would always make sure we didn't go without. I wish my children and grandchildren could experience this true family Gathering. Thank you, Daryl.
0: That's fabulous, Daryl. Thank you for that. Lots of texts on drive-ins like John from North Kildonan who says, The Starlight Drive-In Theater in Transcon- Transcona. multi-generational. My parents took us in the 60s to what? Hang on, I thought I was going to sneeze. Sorry. Here... Oh, <laughs> are, well, you are? You are? It, are you it, it, uh, it stopped. I lost the urge, Jerry. I lost the urge. My parents took us in the 60s to watch Beach Party and Elvis Presley movies. My wife and I would line up to get into the all-nighters in the 70s when dating, sleeping through some movies, and starting to see the screen through fogged-up windshield mm. as the night cooled mm-hmm. on the September long weekend. Every there, everyone there was in a great, fun mood, and I miss it. So John with a drive-in. Kevin F. with another drive-in one.
1: Our meeting place was at a drive-in. We would show up with about six different cars full of guys and girls. We'd bring coolers, food, lawn chairs, footballs, and a Frisbee. It was very much a movie. Tailgate, long before the tailgate existed. A great era of time. Kevin, thank you for that. Uh, just very quickly here. I, Barry Burns,
0: former Barry Burns, uh, CJOB anchor, he sometimes listens to the radio station, and I I remember hearing him. He had a piece of audio and I remember it was he was just starting to read a newscast, and it was "Good morning from the six from the no." How did they say it? "Good morning from the CJOB Information." And he had to turn his microphone off because he just started to sneeze as he cracked the microphone. So anyway,
1: does the looking at the light induce the sneeze for you? If you feel like. You need to apparently that's a trick if you need to because it'll force your eyes closed and there's some sort of science
0: to like it. to make it actually get it out. Yes, to get it out. Ooh, I'll try that. Mm. Uh, but Amanda is our winner. Amanda covers covering many bases here. Amanda says, "I miss the Polo Park Inn for billiards, for pinball, for ten pin bowling. We used to wait in line to get those ugly bowling shoes. I also miss Crystal Palace for billiards. Used to stand in line to get the balls. Do you remember where the Crystal Palace was, Mackling?" I-
1: No, I'm not going to go on record I I remember it, I just can't remember exactly where it was It was in the basement Vaughn Street, across from the bay
0: No, you're thinking of Las Vegas uh, billiards Uh, No, where the giant tiger is downtown Yes, of course Yeah, it was in the basement Huge, huge pool hall And that's where I played the 6x12 pool And uh, lastly, I missed Saints roller rink on Regent I don't remember this I lived in Transcona. Amanda, how long ago was this? She says we used to line up waiting for opening or to get our skates. And Rod Black started there, spitting great '80s tunes—a far cry from sports. Rod, my Black, goodness! You think he had
1: the mustache back then? I don't know. Like I remember, he had a mustache for as long as I could remember on television. Clay Young would remember. Oh yeah, because I think Clay worked from Rod pretty much from day one. I remember wheelies. Or Saints in Fort Gary, certainly out in St. James. And McPhillips never went to the one in Transcona. Be curious to know
0: exactly where it was. Yeah, I think the one in Pemina might have been the last one standing, uh, if memory serves. But, yeah, I don't remember the one on region. So, Amanda, you're a winner. You're going to the Bomber game this Friday. Thanks to all for participating. And now the state of our health care system has been dominating headlines for the past several years. Concerns over retirements, burnout, and people leaving the province or the system altogether are a genuine
1: challenge. And we want to invite you to an online discussion later today to discuss the future of emergency medicine, specifically at St. Boniface Hospital. It's the latest edition of the Health Report 2.0. And to tell us how you can join this extended discussion around the future of emergency services at St. B is president and CEO of St. Boniface Hospital Foundation, Karen Fowler. Good morning, Karen.
5: Good morning, Greg and Brett, and thanks for having me on today.
1: Well, you bet. I'm looking forward to our discussion this afternoon. I'll have the honor of of sort of driving the bus, but our guest today is Dr. Christian Thompson, who practices full time as an emergency medicine physician at Saint B. And many will know Dr. Thompson was the president of Doctors Manitoba for the 2021-2022 year, uh, building on his many years of uh, service with that organization. And of course, now serves on the board as past president and i understand uh, dr thompson is is excited about our conversation as well
5: yes he is greg he he is like you say he's been practicing emergency medicine for more than 10 years now um and you know throughout the pandemic of course he was right on the front lines of the emergency department here at saint b um and you know the viewers today that are participating in the health report uh, 2.0 will hear a little bit more about his perspective on the emergency department redevelopment that's happening at St. Boniface Hospital and what that's going to mean for caregivers like him.
0: Well, how is the new emergency department coming along?
5: It is moving along um, on schedule, as far as I understand. Um, and, you know, it's really exciting. It's, it's, it's really cool to see all this new construction happening here at the hospital, um, especially when you know that the end result is going to be an emergency department that's more than three times its current size.
1: Uh, what role is the foundation playing in the project, Karen? Because I know people have been mm-hmm. hearing, the, hearing the messages here on our station about how, how uh, people can uh, donate and, and make this project uh, bigger and better, so to speak.
5: Yeah, Greg, it is, it's a very vital project, of course, for Manitobans. Um, you know, having a larger emergency department means we'll be able to increase the capacity for the number of patients we can see on a, on a daily basis. Um, and you know, the project itself, in terms of the foundation's commitment, we are contributing, uh, $10 million towards, the redevelopment, um, what we're able to do with that funding is, you know, provide some of the enhancements to the space that, you know, the provincial budget is not able to cover. The province is contributing a total of $131 million to the project, um, so that is a very significant amount. Um, but we're pleased to be able to be a part of that and offer the opportunity to Manitobans to participate um, in this campaign.
0: In terms of, I mean, it's great that the the ER is getting uh, redeveloped. I mean, that, you know, we got to have functioning ERs and that's fantastic. But um, in terms of the, the staffing shortage challenges that we've been seeing over the past couple of years, do you foresee that being an issue once the ER is complete?
5: You know, that's really hard to say at this point, Brett. I know that, that our hospital administration is working very closely with the WHA on those issues and with the provincial government. Um, and that is an ongoing issue, of course. Um, what we're hearing from the staff in the emergency department right now is that we will, when this emergency department opens, we will be on the cutting edge of emergency medicine here in Manitoba. And that will help to attract and retain staff. Um, People will, you know, will look forward to working in one of the newest spaces um, for emergency medicine and have that ability, you know, to use new technologies that, you know, that are coming to the forefront in emergency medicine.
1: Yeah, when you think about wh- where that uh, ER has come, even in its constrained space over the last decade, lots of renovations there, but now to have a brand new space, uh, uh, you know, the idea of, of working there, uh, I'm sure is going to be appetizing to many. We'll, we'll, we'll cover that uh, topic of conversation as well as we uh, visit this afternoon on the Health Report 2.0. How do people get involved? Is it too late for people to register, Karen?
5: No, it's not. Until about 11 a.m., they can register on our website at bealifeline.ca, and when you sign in, you'll automatically be sent to a link to join the event on Zoom.
1: Bealifeline.ca, and then would love to see you there uh, around 12 o'clock, 12 till 1, Dr. Christian uh, Thompson and myself, where we're going to talk about emergency room development at St. B and and some other stuff. Karen, thanks for the insight, and uh, look forward to catching up with you later on.
5: Well, thanks for having me on this morning, and we look forward to uh, to seeing people on the Zoom call over the lunch hour today for this session, um, as well as another health report later in the year in early December.
1: All right, Karen, thanks again. Talk to you soon. Okay,
5: thank you. Bye.
1: Karen Fowler, President and CEO of the St. Boniface Hospital Foundation. Brett. So on Friday, you uh, missed... You got to
0: miss the uh we had a meeting at a Teams meeting because well you were busy you were you were hosting co-hosting Participating in a word in Edgewise, which airs on weekends across chorus radio stations, and then today you get to miss out on the the text, the new text system
1: training. Oh, right. oh boy, I'm so sad. <laughs> <laughs> you would think I plan these things purposely, Brett. Uh, I wish I was uh, that organized. It's the fact that I'm I'm so disorganized that this is how these things happen. So you'll have to take notes.
0: I should point out as well, we are going to be getting a new text system here at 680 CJOB. So one of the things we don't know, and I'll be sure to ask this question during the session, is are we going to lose all of our contacts? Because we work pretty hard. Oh, my goodness. At adding everyone's name. Once they, if they sign a text, we try to add as many names as we can so we know who we're talking to.
1: We have thousands of contacts. Yeah. In this system. So if you suddenly hear us
0: in early October saying, can you please sign your text messages? It's because we've lost it all.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh. Uh,
0: it's taken okay, us years to get this contact No list. kidding.
1: I have my fingers crossed on this. I hope they've... They've figured out a way to transition and, and to move everything across. And yes, thank you to everyone who's been text messaging. The last several days, we've had a, a plethora of new and first-time text messengers. And and please include your name. We won't be shy to ask, but uh, we like to address you by name. And, and we thank you so much for your stories, your insight, the information, the story ideas. Uh, it's really endless. And, and that's the other side of this world, right, Brett? With, without our friends... And our family in, in Radioland, uh, we're just talking to each other. That's right. And of course, every time you say the word
0: plethora, I think of El Guapo in Three Amigos. Plethora? What is a plethora? Well, why? Well, you told me I have a plethora, and I just would like to know if you know what a plethora is. <laughs> I would not like to think that a person would tell me someone he has a plethora and then find out that that person has no idea what it means to have a plethora.
1: How do you remember? This is one thing I've never, I never googled it. Never. Oh, really? I remember the the basic scene, but not the exact word. Okay, because there are some people that can word for word recite oh, gosh, certain no. scenes in movies, and I, I you're pretty good at it.
0: A couple of movies, maybe a couple of movies, but not not that much. I'm not like uh, you know. I have friends who. They're like Dustin Hoffman in in, in Rain Man, how the, his ability to remember so much and so many exact details. Like, I can't remember a golf course I maybe played two years ago, but one of my buddies at the Laker Classic, he can tell me which club I hit for my second shot on the fifth hole of the third round that weekend. Like, I don't even remember what course we played.
1: The club you hit? Yes.
0: Not his own. Yeah, the club I hit. Because he's like a forensic accountant,
1: so My he's word.
0: super detailed. <laughs> or can't, there, no, no, there's no getting away with cheating around him. It's like, I got a six, or I got a five. No, you no, didn't. You, you didn't. got a six. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Remind me never to play with that guy.